You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, the podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, I'm delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. It's around this time, 20 years ago, that I was asked by a client to present a breakfast talk for some of his colleagues. The client in question was the managing partner and chairman of the accounting firm Deloitte in Dublin. And he said to me that they regularly, as in once a month, had somebody in to talk at breakfast on a Friday morning. And they, generally speaking, got about 20 to 30 people to turn up to these sessions. Would I be interested? I said, of course. I said, no problem. I said, I'll turn up and I'll do my thing and we'll see what happens. He said, what will you talk about? I said, well, we could talk about focusing. I said, or I could put it in almost pure work terms and talk about working smarter, not harder. He said, oh, that will captivate people's imagination. He said, I bet you'll have a good crowd for that session. A few weeks later, I turned up at about 7.30 on the Friday morning. Now, I wasn't due to talk till 8 o'clock, but I like being in places like that early so I can get a feel for the place so that I can ensure that I have enough elbow room, mental elbow room, to be fully present when I do my thing. I can't do my thing if I'm not fully present. And indeed, nobody can properly do their thing if they're not fully present. Anyway, I turned up at about 7.30 that Friday morning. There was no one else in their head office on Earlsford Terrace in Dublin other than the security man at that moment in time. And he welcomed me with open arms. He said, oh, he said, I'm delighted to meet you. You're giving the talk at breakfast at 8 a.m. I said, I am indeed. He said, sit down there for a few minutes. He said, until the people who are organizing the room turn up and then you can go in with them. He was in flying form. Now I had dressed appropriately for the occasion. It was a spring morning and I had dressed the exact opposite to how the accountants would be dressing. You know how accountants dress. <laughs> I knew how accountants dress being an accountant myself. So I deliberately wanted to depotentiate them, knock them off their perch as I stood up to make my presentation. It's all, all psychology. Isn't that what we're always talking about here? Anyway, I went into the room at about 10 to eight. People began to gather and in total, there were 120 people at that session who had indeed been captivated by the idea of working smarter rather than harder. So I'm standing up there, dressed in very summery attire, some people looking at me rather oddly. And the very first thing I say to the assembled group of accountants, knowing these people as I do, was how many people in this room have recently been on a golf course? 
and a number of people started putting up their hands, which is interesting. I never asked people to put up their hands, but we have this instinct to go with the herd when one person puts up their hand and a load of people put up their hands. I said, I'm not finished asking the question yet. My full question is how many people in this room were recently on a golf course and felt guilty for being on the golf course? And most of the people who had put up their hand held their hand up. I said, how many people in this room during their ordinary working day wish they were on a golf course? And a load of people put their hand up. Again, the point I was making was that when they had chosen to be on the golf course, they weren't there. They wished they were at work because they were feeling guilty for skiving off playing golf. And when they were supposed to be at work, they weren't there either. They were wishing they were on the golf course. Now, the fact of the matter is that we actually have to work hard when we're not there. It's as simple as that. We have to work through the wishing that I was on the golf course. And when you are on the golf course feeling guilty about it, you have to work through that guilt to be able to hit the golf ball properly. And of course, that's why most people on a golf course come off the golf course in worse form than they were when they went on the golf course in the first place, because they've been trying to play golf through a fog of thought. So when I use the phrase working smarter, not harder, now, before I go any further, most people will assume that that is a cliche. And indeed, an empty cliche it is for people who use their mind normally. Because if you are normally minded, if you are what I often refer to as a normal crazy person, you have no chance of working smarter. You are always going to be working harder. Your subconscious mind doesn't even understand the concept. Why? Because when we use our mind normally, we are always trying to do what we're supposed to be doing through the fog of thought that enables us make it through the day every day. In other words, when we're using our mind normally, we are spectacularly unable to focus. Now, I've explained in previous podcast episodes as to why that is and why it is from an evolutionary perspective. Our inability to focus is an evolutionary adaptation that enabled us to survive in evolutionary times. I'm not going to go into it again. There's plenty of that explored in a variety of podcast episodes before this one. But the point I'm making is a scientifically validated point. If you're using your mind normally, you are spectacularly unable to focus. You will never be able to work smarter. You will always have to work harder. The harder is because you're trying to do what you know you're supposed to be doing through thinking about something else. Now, the obvious example was, I'm in the office and I'm thinking about being on the golf course, but it's much more fundamentally difficult for ordinary people to focus than that. Because when I'm trying to do anything, anything at all as a normally minded person, I am thinking that I'm incapable of doing the things that I want to do in my life. I think I am unworthy. I think I am undeserving. I think I have a load of preconceived 
weaknesses about myself. And I am always going to struggle to do anything that I'm supposed to be doing through that fog of resident evil thought. That's simply a statement of fact. Now, mostly you won't be aware of that because this all happens subconsciously. Sometimes you will when you make a fool of yourself or you stop yourself and say to yourself, God, I wish I hadn't done that or I wish I had behaved in a different way there. Sometimes we are aware of how we're tripping ourselves up. But, but most of the time we are, again, spectacularly unaware of how we are getting in our own way. Anyway, I started my speech, my breakfast talk to those 120 accountants by asking them who was on the golf course feeling guilty about it and who was in the office wishing that they were on the golf course. And of course, they immediately understood that you can't work smart if you're thinking about something else. Now, we think about other things as well. And last week's podcast episode, we talked about expectations. And I talked about how a lot of normal, crazy people think Monday will be a bad day and Friday will be a good day. And generally speaking, they turn out as self-fulfilling prophecies. So we looked at the Monday-Friday syndrome from the expectational perspective last week. I want to look at it from a more fundamentally flawed perspective this week, just before we go any further. Because when I arrived at 7.30 that morning to give my talk, the security man was full of the joys of life. And the second thing I said to the assembled 120 accountants was, I was welcomed with open arms by your security guy this morning. I said he was in flying form and he actually said to me, sure, it's Friday. I said, to the group, I said, if I'd arrived here next Monday morning, would he be in the same form? And a number of them started laughing and they said, oh no, he's the grumpiest so-and-so that you could ever come across on a Monday morning. Now, the point I want to make here is there is another set of thoughts that is distancing us from being able to do what we're supposed to be doing in the here and now. But as I said, it's more fundamentally flawed. Because what that guy was doing and what so many people, normal crazy people, do is allow something as strange as the day of the week. And you can't control what day of the week it is. Something like the day of the week to control their mood. Now, of course, they're not letting the day of the week yank their chain. They're not letting the day of the week pull them around the place like a puppet. They are allowing what they think about the day of the week to mess with their mood. But here is the rub. When we get into a Monday morning mood, the mood we are in, otherwise known psychologically as the state of mind, the mood we are in dictates what thought our automatic pilot will next choose to enable us make it through the day. If I'm in a bad mood, my automatic pilot is going to choose a worse than normal thought. Now, all thought is bad, but a worse than normal thought. That creates my mood, which then selects the next thought that I think. It's a mad, vicious circle that takes us further and further away from the reality of the present moment. 
And the further and further away we are from the reality of the present moment, the more elusive becomes even the idea of working smarter rather than harder. So what does working smarter actually mean? Well, first of all, again, before I go any further, let's disabuse ourselves of one of the key things that we were taught when we were growing up, that you have to work hard to be a success. That's rubbish. That is absolute rubbish. The only way you will achieve success in your life is by allowing yourself flow so that you do just what you need to do to get to where you want to go. So in other words, you work smarter rather than harder. You see, if you think that work is hard, actually, if you think that work is work at all, that thought is making the work that you have to do more difficult, straight off. In other words, if you find something to do from a work point of view, if I can use the word work at all, if you find something to do that you love, that you're passionate about, then your daily activity in doing that will be a labor of love. You will no longer be working because work is an idea of something that I have to do because I have to make ends meet. I have to work for a living. No, these are all concepts that are born out of the way in which our normal minds are programmed. Once you understand that, you can begin to understand, at least conceptually for starters, what working smarter rather than harder actually means. Let me put it another way. Stress, and about two thirds of people in the workplace, believe themselves to be suffering from stress. And of course, if you believe you're suffering from stress, you actually are suffering from stress because as we've explored before, stress is just a thought. It is a choice that I make to be stressed, which releases cortisol into my system, which has a devastating effect on my cardiovascular, immune and digestive systems. So the impact of stress is real, but stress itself is an imagined illusion, ruthfully produced every day by the madness of the normal crazy thinking mind. All struggle comes from me thinking that what I have to do is difficult, or me simply thinking that I prefer not to have to do it at all. In other words, all hard work is the result of me thinking about work or thinking about it being hard or thinking that I don't want to be there or thinking that maybe I'm not up to it. Now, that's a really interesting one because most people think they're not up to the demands of their daily life. You may not be aware of that again in the cut and thrust of your day, but it's happening subconsciously all of the time because if you consider that stress is the result of what is known in cognitive psychology as two-step cognitive appraisal, the first step is that I figure out using my 
out of date thoughts what's going on so now i think what's going on which bears no resemblance to what's actually going on but the second step in two-step cognitive appraisal is that having figured out what i think is going on i ask myself do i little old me think i'm up to it and generally speaking because of the way we were programmed when we were young and impressionable the answer to that question will be no and that is what triggers the stress response and that is what makes work hard. As I said at the outset, for the normally minded person, working smarter is not an option. It's a nice idea, but it'll end up being an empty, meaningless cliche. Because to work smart, you have to be able to focus. The normal mind cannot focus. We learn how to focus by coming to our senses. We learn how to focus, in other words, by meditating. Meditating does lots of things for us. For example, it'll do exactly the opposite to the body as to that which stress does to the body, the bad stuff that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Meditation does the exact opposite. It boosts our immune, digestive and cardiovascular systems. And that's only the beginning of it, I can tell you. Meditation changes the way we perceive ourselves. We talked about that last week when we talked about expectations. Meditation changes the way in which I perceive what's going on in the here and now. In other words, gone is the idea that, oh, today's a bad day because it's Monday. Gone is the idea that today's a good day because it's Friday. Gone is the idea that this work is hard, this work is boring, this work is stressful. I wish I was somewhere else because I'm not thinking those thoughts anymore as a result of my developing my ability to be present through the coming to my senses that meditation enables me achieve. We have five senses. We see, we feel, we hear, we smell, we taste. The normally minded person never pays attention to any of those five senses. They only pay attention to how their thinking mind has evaluated what their five senses are telling them. So they're distant from reality all of the time. And that is where the working hard comes into the equation. If I develop my ability, or actually when I develop my ability to be present through meditation, then I'm just seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling and tasting what is actually going on. Now I've disconnected my automatic pilot. Now I am no longer thinking bad thoughts about what is actually going on i'm just there as a result of which now i am not automatically reacting to what i automatically thought was going on now i'm able to take action and this is working smarter in other words i will do just what i need to do i won't think about it i'll just do it nike perhaps had it right didn't they? I'll just do it. And the really interesting thing is that the minute I stop thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing, the amount of neural energy that I use to do what I'm doing greatly diminishes to the point of effortlessness. And that's a word that you've heard me use many times before. And it is, from the scientific perspective of neuroscience, a scientific fact. The effort comes 
from trying to do what I'm supposed to be doing through the fog of thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing. So once I am present, the thinking is taken out of the equation. I now understand what's going on. I now understand what I'm supposed to be doing, and I now simply do it without thinking about it. And I flow. It's what athletes call being in the zone. And when you're in the zone, when you are in flow, now flow, by the way, is a scientifically researched and validated concept. It has been researched for over 40 years as we speak. Flow means that I'm simply doing what I'm doing to the point where I am immersed in what I'm doing. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about me anymore. So there is no dichotomy between me being in the present moment and what psychology calls the conceptual self, my personality, you know, that suffers from all kinds of things like self-doubt and lack of self-confidence, the rubbish that comes with thinking automatically. There is no dichotomy anymore. I'm just there. I have no experience of me other than the real me. So I'm just doing what I'm doing. My actions are fluid. My thinking is fluid. And by that, I mean, not the thoughts, obviously, that we've referred to before, but my decision-making and problem-solving processes simply flow. Uh, let me explain how this works, because you already know this, even if you are a normal, crazy person listening to this podcast. When does the solution to an apparently intractable problem come to you? when you're not thinking about it. It's a classic example of flow. Now, for, for most people, flow only happens now and again in their lives, and it happens by accident. It happens to them. But when you start meditating, you actually allow flow happen for you. In other words, you choose flow. Now, what kind of fool wouldn't choose to be flowing in their daily lives? Indeed, what kind of fool would choose stress. Unfortunately, the kind of fool that chooses stress is the kind of person that doesn't know they have a choice. But you have a choice. You know you have a choice by listening to this. So you can choose flow. Once I am in flow, I'm going to do just what I need to do and no more. I've said that quite a few times in recent podcast episodes and no more. The amount of time we waste in our ordinary everyday lives is incredible. I recollect a conversation with a client, actually probably around the time 20 years ago uh, that I made my presentation, my breakfast talk to Deloitte in Dublin. There was this client of mine who worked in one of the large financial institutions in Dublin. We'll name neither him nor the institution to protect the guilty. And he told me that he always went into work at 7 a.m. every morning. He was always the first in the office. And he was always working flat out, working smart. He was, he was in his backside because I happened to be walking past his office one morning at 7 in the morning. I was going to a meeting in an adjacent office building. And his office block was completely illuminated. He was sitting in the glass-fronted staff restaurant with two newspapers spread out in front of him and a full Irish breakfast. Now, he didn't see that I had seen him. 
but that is not getting into the office and doing what you need to do. What was he doing? Well, actually, in a subsequent conversation, he confirmed to me that if there had been, for example, a rugby match at the weekend, he would read every available column inch. Now, I know that's an old fashioned saying every of the available piece of stuff that had been written about that match in every single newspaper or on any website that he could get his hands on. He immersed himself in something that had already happened, something that he had watched, something that he had been engaged in the previous weekend. Mad stuff. I had another conversation with a corporate leadership team many, many years ago when I asked them how much time did they waste during the course of the day gossiping about each other. To which the chief medical officer of the pharma company in question replied, but without gossip, what else is there to do in life? Now, he was being slightly facetious, but the fact of the matter is that we waste an awful lot of time doing stuff that we don't have to do to the point where we don't have enough time to do the stuff that we have to do. That's why people stay late in the office in the evening. That's why people bring work home with them and don't do it. So they get even more annoyed with themselves. So they get even more stressed out. So they have to work even harder because they're working through all that thought now as well. Absolute mad and crazy stuff. There are things you need to do and there are things you don't need to do. Now, if like most people, you have a to-do list, I can tell you straight off without even knowing what's on the to-do list, half of the stuff on the to-do list shouldn't be there. To-do lists in the way in which they're put together by normal crazy people become a stick with which to beat yourself. As many people have said to me over the years, I get into the office early in the morning and I read the newspaper and I gossip, but I get into the office every morning and I know for a fact that by the time I leave the office in the evening, my to-do list will be longer than it was when I started. That's just madness. And as I said, most people have stuff on their to-do list that shouldn't be there at all. Let me explain how working smarter starts and how it actually works in practice. Your day's work starts the night before. Now, I'm not suggesting that you sit down and try to figure out what you have to do the following day or embellish your to-do list or annoy yourself when you're supposed to be relaxing in the evening. I'm suggesting something really simple. Just as your head hits the pillow at night, ask yourself, what's the next most important thing I need to do? Now, just ask yourself the question using the exact words that I have just used. Uh, I have psychological reasons for saying that. I said this to a client many years ago. He said, ah, oh, he said, I know what you're talking about already. He said, if I have a problem at work, I'll say to myself before I get into bed at night, I, I need the solution to that and I need it on my desk first thing in the morning. Now he's talking to himself, but he said, generally speaking, the following morning himself would present himself with the solution to the problem. Why? Because if you ask yourself that question just before you go to sleep at night, your subconscious mind, your non-thinking mind, is very, very good when you're asleep because it's your thinking mind that goes asleep. It's very, very good at putting all your ducks in a row. So, so many people with whom I have worked over the years have got up the following morning 
showered, dressed themselves, gone off to work, and at some point in the process of getting themselves ready for the day ahead, perhaps in the shower or perhaps while they were commuting to work, something important would occur to them. Now, what occurs to you like that is the answer to the question that you asked the previous night. What's the next most important thing I need to do? And it would feel right. It isn't something that you would think about. It would come to you as a feeling. The things that occur to you will never appear on a to-do list because it is your thinking mind that puts the to-do list together. It is your doing mind, your subconscious mind, that provides you with these aha moments whereby the things that you need to do, really need to do, occur to you. So these people would go into their place of work, do what had occurred to them, not what was on their to-do list, and discover later in the day that that was exactly the right thing to have done at that moment in time. And lo and behold, some of the things that they thought they were going to do, which were on their to-do list, had worked themselves out without them doing anything about it at all. That's why I said a few minutes ago, half the crap on your to-do list is just that, crap. And unfortunately, because our to-do lists, when we're using our minds normally, are full of crap. There is another hard work thought that we try to work through and make life harder for ourselves. So working smarter starts with you interrogating your subconscious mind before you go to sleep the previous night so that whilst you sleep, it gets your ducks in a row. Then you do what occurs to you. And that sets you off in a completely different direction than you would go in where you to work to what you think you have to do as per your to-do list. The other really important thing in relation to flow is that you only do what you're doing while you're doing it. So the minute you've stopped doing it, you're doing something else and you don't think about what you have done and you don't think about what you have to do next. In other words, you compart mentalize your day while you're working into what I'm doing now. Now, it, it, when we learn how to focus through meditation, compartmentalization comes effortlessly. It comes naturally because we live our lives in compartments. They're called nows. This guy on a program owner's Zoom about a year ago, or maybe two years ago, said to me, he said, I had an important meeting with my client yesterday evening and the minute the meeting had ended, I'd forgotten what the meeting was about. Am I suffering from early onset dementia? I said, no, that's the compartmentalization that we're talking about. That's living in the moment. Now you've moved into the next now and you're doing what you're doing in that now. He said, but say if I meet that client in six months time and I've no recollection of our conversation. And he says to me, do you remember we agreed on this? And I don't know what he's talking about. I said, that's not going to happen because your subconscious mind is very good at putting your ducks in a row. So if you do something in flow, the subconscious mind will store in easily accessible fashion. The stuff that you subsequently need to remember when and only when you need to remember it. Let me explain how it works for me. I would do my program owner's Zoom on a Wednesday evening from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. my time. I'd come down for dinner afterwards and Lisa would say to me, what did you talk about this evening? And I'd say, I don't know, can't remember. And actually, I would not be able to remember. And then maybe three or four years later, because I've been doing those program owner Zooms for six years at this stage, 
three or four years later, somebody would bring up in conversation something that we had discussed before, and I would pinpoint the exact wording of what had been said three or four years earlier, because it would be presented to me by my subconscious mind at that moment in time, in exactly the same way as clients over the years have said to me, how do you remember things about my family events that I've forgotten? You have an amazing memory. I haven't an amazing memory. First of all, I was present when it was mentioned to me in the first place. So I actually heard it, which normal crazy people don't. And secondly, because of the way my mind works or the way in which I allow my mind work, that stuff will come back to me when I need it. The key message from this podcast episode today is that working smarter is something that actually comes naturally when you use your open, flowing, doing mind, having parked your thinking mind as a result of your regular practice of meditation. It is that simple. I know I've taken about 30 minutes to talk it through, or at least talk about some of the aspects of it. But it can all be summed up in the sentence that I've just uttered. It is that simple. Train your mind to be present through meditation. Meditation will restructure your brain so that your mind is present, so that your doing mind is available to you, not when you're meditating, but during the cut and thrust of the day, so that you can work smarter, not harder. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-dash.com.